Hello, my friends, and welcome to another Robcast. I'm here in the back house with uh, the one and only Kate Kyle. Welcome. Good morning. Thank you for having me. This is Kate's first time in the back house on the Robcast. You are a resident of the great state of Florida? Correct. I believe it is? Yes. Um, I met Kate on tour, and she's the Tallahassee, Florida city something... You're the assistant regional manager? What exactly? <laughs> yeah. I'm serious. Yes. When I met her, I was like, oh my word, my Robcast friends have to meet this woman and hear what she's up to. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I am uh, among many hats that I wear, I am the local chapter leader in Tallahassee for an organization called Moms Demand Action. And who started Moms Demand Action? Uh, Moms Demand Action was started five years ago by a woman named Shannon Watts. Um, directly in the aftermath of the Sandy Hook shooting. Uh, It was a situation where she sat down at her kitchen table and started a Facebook page. She laughs that she had 75 friends at the time. And she just had a very, um, I think like many humans, and especially mothers, had after that shooting. Yeah. I've got to do something. Something has, this is is out of control. We've got to do something. So she started a Facebook page, group. And she had a background in corporate communications, so she understood messaging and how to craft a message and how to build an organization. Um, And so we just recently celebrated five years uh, uh, as an organization, and we are are a grassroots, nonpartisan, nationwide organization, and we work in conjunction with Every Town for Gun Safety which is an organization that grew out of a group of mayors who were looking at the problem of illegal guns in big cities. Mayor Bloomberg um, started a a coalition and a group to look at this issue. And from that, every town was born. And then Moms Demand Action came in as the the boots on the ground, is what we say. Okay, so when did you get involved? I got involved about a year and a half ago. Um... It wasn't really on my radar. You know, I I was super, super affected by Sandy Hook. I mean, I was really torn up about it. I remember a lot of sobbing, like a lot of just crying and sobbing. Because at the time, my youngest, who is 11, was in first grade. And Mm -hmm. I was staying home with my children. And I was going into his classroom every week and working with students and reading with them and loving their little faces. And all I could see was that class. Like All I could see yeah. was that situation. Um, and as a human being, I, I tend to put myself in other people's shoes when I hear about these things. And so it was devastating. It was really devastating. Um, but I didn't hear about moms until a few years later. Um, and I guess it was really a, a, a result of the election, <laughs> quite honestly. Oh, really? Yeah, I had a very... Um, I was really disoriented and sort of in a tailspin about our country and what was happening. Um, And I was meeting with a couple friends and we were having coffee and kind of wringing our hands and saying, what on earth has happened? What what is happening? Um, So I I like to make lists. So I (laughs) kind of sat down and was like, okay, there's lots of problems. There's lots of problems, but I really need to pick one. I got to pick one because I can't, fix everything. So for me, gun violence has been a, a, an issue that's just disturbed me on a really deep, profound human level. I love, uh, by the way, I love of all the issues, just pick one and yeah. give yourself to it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. for so many people, the sort of paralyzation that happens with all of the things that seem wrong. Yeah. And you <laughs> made a list. Made a list. And then picked the thing and went after it. Right. Well, I started with three, thinking like, well, I could do three things. And then I quickly surmised, like, that's stupid. I can't, I can't, <laughs> I could do one thing maybe <laughs> halfway. But um, for me, it was gun violence, it was education, public education, and health health care and access to health care. Um, but I quickly. But you're like, instead of solving all three. <laughs> yeah. I'll just really okay. further limit. Have you one. always been fierce? Um, yeah. I would say, yeah. I. I am a, I'm kind of a fearful, anxious person by nature, but I think the flip side of that is this really, um, this strength and courage that also is the other side of that. So you've been the person to just jump in. Yeah. If I'm really, really scared and I really don't want to do something, I make myself do it. 
Really? Yeah. Yeah, sort of like I intentionally will put myself into situations that terrify me. And you have a long history of this. Yes, yes. <laughs> Just okay. ask my mother. <laughs> so you go, so moms demand action. How does that, how does that work? You jump in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and what do you learn? And well, what, I, what yeah. happens? Well, I start reading a lot. I just, because I like to just, I like to learn. I like, I'm really curious. And so I start doing a lot of reading. I find this organization and somebody says, somebody in my town says, hey, let's start, let's have a meeting. Let's make ourselves a chapter because we are the state capital and we yep. didn't have a chapter there. So we have chapters. Well, fun fact, we had 14 chapters before Parkland. Now I believe we have 27 chapters in the state wow. of Florida. So the How far did Parkland happen? How far is that from where you live? 7 hours away. Okay. Florida's a big state. Yeah. Um so yeah, so somebody had a meeting and I went to a meeting. And I sat there and somebody else was running it and I said, "Okay, this is this is good." Isn't it funny when people talk about um, how do you change the world and generally when people like are doing something you're like, "Well, how this revolutionary work that you're doing how and how did it start? And people were like, uh, I went to a meeting. Yeah. There were clipboards, yeah. bad coffee, yeah. folding chairs. Yeah, it was Somebody a, it organized was, a meeting. It, it was, was in a very church. unsexy at yeah. first. Yeah, folding chairs. We all are kind of looking around. It's a ragtag group of people who were like, okay, let's do this. So I went thinking like, oh, good. Somebody else is the leader. Somebody else is in charge of this. I can yeah. just go. I don't have to be in charge. I'm already just going to guess that at some point you became the leader. Yeah. How, with how, by that first meeting? <laughs> no, no. Just from what little I know about you, I'm imagine you probably didn't sit there for that long. Yeah, I have a hard time. I have a hard time. <laughs> <laughs> Letting someone re- lead a bad meeting? <laughs> well, and it wasn't that it was a bad meeting. It was it was great. And it was, you know, it, I was just really hopeful that something was, that somebody was talking about this. Because yes. I kind of felt like my hair was on fire and I'm looking around and everyone's asleep, and I'm like, "What is going on? Why right. is why is nobody else's hair on fire about right. this?" And like these mass shootings don't happen in other countries. No, or no. like that Onion headline: "Why does this keep happening?" Says the people in the only country where this keeps happening. Yeah, yeah, this is a uniquely American problem. Um, so, so we're having these meetings, and we're starting to you know get organized, and because we're in the Capitol, we have access to all of the committees and all of the hearings and all of the action uh, at the Capitol. So we start going to stuff, and the woman who what was stuff? what's that? What's uh, stuff? Well, mean? just um, you know, our session, our legislative session, is sixty days. So people from all over across the state and the lobbyists and everybody descends on Tallahassee for session, and it's just kind of a madhouse, but. Bills get introduced. They have to be heard in committees. They have to go from this committee to that committee. It's very tedious. And so you get a crash course. Yeah. And when people talk about why can't we just change this, you got like a crash course in how you change it. Yeah. How laws get changed, how public policy works. Yeah. It's like schoolhouse rock on steroids was what really happened, you know. And my, which is so hilarious to me is that my husband has a PhD in political science. And he understands all of this. And sometimes when he talks about it, you know, he does healthcare legis- regulation and legislation, and my eyes glaze over when he talks about it. And so he knows all of these things. And I, I was like, did you ta- know? Ah, uh, because when he talks about it, you're like, man, talk about something relevant. But then you get into the gun, vi- yeah. gun violence issue. You're yeah. like, oh, this is actually incredibly relevant because this is how the system works. This is works. how it works. What struck you the most? What would stru- what struck you the most? What was the most surprising thing that you saw when you saw the up close? Um, I, I think what was most surprising to me was the power of the lobbyists in, uh, I've heard in this before. forming and writing policy and legislation because of term limits. People come and go. And Brad is my husband. Brad has been saying this to me for a while. Yeah, well, this is the downside of term limits is that a lot of the institutional power and knowledge rests in the hand of the lobbyists. Because every whatever two terms, somebody mm-hmm. new comes in and they're representing the whatever dis- the mm-hmm. six district people. Right. And they're like, okay, how's it work? Where's the, where do I get my coffee? How does the law? And there's this person who's been on the payroll of some corporation who's been there for. 23 right. years right. who knows how the whole they're like a step ahead right right so and the corporation or whoever's funding them ends up with an inordinate amount of influence yes ah yes. yeah got so it. that was kind of new I think I really it before I thought oh well we just vote 
and our leaders are just going to do what we what we want them to do. They represent they us. represent us. And then I quickly realized that's not really quite how it is. And tell me more about the, so so then you you saw you were surprised by the lobbies. Now how to, specifically how does that work out with gun violence? Uh, well, the largest lobby. Uh, in the country, and especially in the state of Florida, would be the NRA. Yes. And, Are they the largest lobby, period? Um, I don't know that that's true, oh, okay. but they have an inordinate amount of power and have for quite a long time, decades. So they have been building this power in, in Florida. Um, some people call it the gunshine state. Um, Whoa. Yeah. Some people call Florida the NRA's Petri dish, where they start ideas and laws that then spread to other states. Like, for instance, Stand Your Ground started in Florida, which was this idea that you, you know, there are, we have laws for self-defense. You can protect yourself in your home. Stand Your Ground kind of takes that out into the world. So it's really any place you go. Any place you go, if there is some sort of threat, you can pull out a gun and shoot. Right. And that's really, you know, your feeling or your perception of fear that it starts to get very so the NRA put through this law mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is so reptilian brain actually yes which is so everything is a threat yes and I mean, you think about it energetically obviously the things that you think about constantly tend to happen i mean my friends who complain about airlines canceling flights get their flights canceled more i mean not to get woo you know what yeah. i mean yeah. but you think about it energetically the more and more and more you yeah Focus on something, talk about it. Um, oftentimes, the more you are in some counterintuitive way asking you're, it you're to happen. You're bringing it in, yes, right? You're right. assuming that threats are around every corner for you. So, what? So, you get into how the legislative process works, mm-hmm. and the NRA looms large. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So, they have been largely unopposed in the state of Florida, and I think in many states. Um, I think there have been lots of organizations who have been talking about gun violence, you know, Brady campaign, um, Gabby Giffords has a wonderful organization. And so a lot of the emphasis has been at the federal, the U.S. Congress level. And we've seen that we we can't seem to get anything passed there. We can't even really get anything on the floor. So Moms Demand Action pivoted a few years ago to a strategy of taking it to the states. And so this is where our our organization, the We Are Everywhere, we're in every single state. There are mothers. We are everywhere. We're everywhere. Because there are mothers <laughs> there everywhere. There are mothers everywhere who the love for their children and their communities, in my book, is always going to be more powerful than any corporate greed or fear or love of guns. I think you you'll just never, ever defeat the love of a mother for her children. So Absolutely. now you've got these moms wearing these iconic red Moms Demand Action shirts, pushing strollers, bringing their mothers, their you know grandmothers, educators. We also you know we have lots of men in our organization. We um, and that's one of the the number one questions I'll get is, well, do I have to be a mom? And we say no, no, no. We are mothers and others. So we're really just anybody who cares about this. We welcome with open arms. And so our movement is growing exponentially. So when you start getting involved, what's is there are there specific measures you're looking to have enacted? Sure. What, what how does it how does it work? Yeah, so I I would, you know, despite how we are described by our opponents, we are actually quite middle how middle they of the road. You? Well, they um they love to paint us as that we're clueless that we are we just want to be on TV. That was my favorite. When um, there was a press release that came out that said, we just, we don't know. By the NRA. Yes. That we just, we don't know what we're talking about, that we're really just all, we're in it for the, for the ratings, which is really funny. If you've ever watched, you know, the Florida government TV channel, (laughs) I don't think their ratings are so high. (laughs) It's like C-SPAN. Yeah. Does anybody want to be on C-SPAN? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Oh, so how soon did the NRA have Mother's Demand Action on their radar and start saying negative things? Oh, I probably immediately. They they also like to say uh, that we're just, you know, we're, we're just puppets for Michael Bloomberg and he just tells us what to do and say. Um, that's that's a 
that's a popular thing. And then there's also very unsavory things that they very lots of misogyny, lots of really, really hateful language that um, I would not care to repeat because my mother and my children might be listening to this. But there's a lot really? of vitriol that comes to us personally. You, you just wouldn't. Well, if you have a public presence on Twitter or any place, you know, the trolls and the hate and the... I know not of what you speak. (laughs) uh, Yeah, it's just, it's really quite astounding, really, what what will come to to people. But we've just learned to tune that out and ignore it. Um, All in the name of the Second Amendment? Yeah. Amendment? Yeah. What's the... Well, I... I, Take me to that, please. I don't... Yeah, I just think it's really fear. I think it's just really, really fear underneath it all that, and there's this irrational fear that we're trying to take everybody's guns away from them, which is not at all the case. We, we, we say, and we talk that how, about he, how we are for common sense gun legislation. That's it. Just common sense. We don't even use the terms gun control. We're not trying to control people or take things away. Um, our number one policy change that we would like to see, which has incredible public support across party yeah, lines right, for right. gun owners and it's non-gun like upper owners. 80s or lower 90s in terms of it's the just overall public. universal criminal background checks. Let's just know who you are and let's close all these loopholes, right? So currently, um, for going through a licensed gun dealer, you have to go through a criminal background check. Um, but there are many ways around that yeah. in many states. There's like a gun show gun where you show, can just show up at a gun show and get, walk away with a gun. Yes. Uh, private sales between people, um, online sales. So there are many ways, if you are so inclined to get a gun, it's not hard in this country to get one. And at the most basic level, Moms Demand Action are like, if you buy a gun, you need to have a criminal background check. Sure. We'd like to know, are you a convicted felon? Do you have aggravated assault in your past? Are you a domestic abuser? Um are you mentally incompetent? Um, those are things that are maybe worth knowing. And this is on the floor in Florida. This is everywhere. This is well. All how states, does it work? Yeah. So, so take all, me through for all of us who know nothing about this. How does it work then? Something like that. That when would, eighty or ninety percent of the public is for something. Yeah. How is it not then? I think this is a thing that you know what I mean. Lots of people would love a to know how come everybody can be for something and I'm laughing because it's tragic the and it's not just of course well uh in the state of Florida it's because the NRA has a a large amount of power over the elected officials our state legislature and our government has been controlled by one party for about 20 years now Mm -hmm. um if they don't want something to happen it doesn't happen um so what's really historic and very significant is that we actually did in Florida last week pass a piece of legislation that does a couple of things that are pretty monumental, Um, raises the age for purchase of rifles to 21. So currently in Florida... Went from 18 to 21? Yeah. You have to be 21 to buy a handgun, but you could be 18 and buy an AR-15. So... uh, (laughs) Yeah, I know. You could... uh, uh, an assault rifle, you can be younger. Yeah. But if we're going to give you a much, much smaller, less dangerous gun, yeah, then you're going to have to be older. Right. So that's just nuts. So that, but that was a change that okay. got that got yep. written that passed. Uh, then these red flag laws, which we're starting to see more in states. Five states currently have them. California has them. Connecticut, Indiana, Oregon, and Washington. And these are laws that, if somebody's exhibiting signs of dangerous behavior towards themselves or to others. Um, like this kid in Parkland, there were lots and lots of signs that this kid was really troubled. Um, but there was no legal mechanism right, right, by which right. to no go in. No system to officially to, to, like alert. Right, right. So these red flag laws allow there to be due process through the court system. We bring this person in, a parent, a counselor, a neighbor, someone who saw something on you know Snapchat or Instagram of, of threats could raise a red flag get this person into a court system where a judge could hear the evidence and say, you know, we're going to temporarily take your guns away until we can really get to the bottom of this. So that passed. So that was huge. And the NRA was very against this. Um, There was nothing in this about universal criminal background checks. We're working really hard. We're fighting really hard for that. But it's hard for those laws to even get into a committee. 
they get introduced, bills are filed, but when one party controls the committee and decides what will be heard and what will be talked about, and they say, no, we don't want to talk about that, then nothing happens. So it's the 11th thing on the agenda for the day. We're at item number nine. You know what? It's been a good Well, if you can even get it on the agenda. Oh, really? Yeah. So So the whole thing is just, if you just stall, if you just avoid, mm -hmm. if you just pass over it, then eventually just wear people down by... Why did these two things, which are historic, how come these did get passed. How come the NRA lost? Well, well, there also in that legislation, there's this little poison pill that is... Uh, Good a, poison? No, bad poison. <laughs> Poison's generally bad. Okay. <laughs> that um, <laughs> will allow teachers and school personnel to be armed on school campuses. So this was... Which a, when I first started yeah, hearing yeah. that being thrown in... Like, well, now we should teachers maybe should get a bonus for having gun. It was like, com- that's complete madness. Yes. Yes, it is. So when all this was starting, we had three separate bills. And then there was a procedural move to combine them all into one. So two good, one bad. So that's what happened. And the only silver lining of it is that it is a voluntary program for the school districts to decide. So letting them decide, does this work for your population, your community, to allow teachers to have guns? So Moms Demand Action, while it was difficult because we were really wanting positive movement, we hadn't seen any positive movement for years. And so we were very hopeful. And then this part came in and we said, ah, we really hate that, but this is how things move. This is compromise. This is a voluntary program. So immediately, like, 10 minutes later, we are like, okay, strategy, go to the school districts, go to the superintendents, go to the school boards, start educating and talking about in- informing the public, put pressure on these local to people to out. say, opt out. Yeah, yeah. This is a terrible plan. This is so much more dangerous. And within one week, we saw two sh- accidental shootings in schools by School resource officers, people who are, you know, supposed to be the most trained in handling firearms. There was one in Virginia and one in California where guns were discharged in a school by the person who's supposed to be the safest person to handle a gun. So yeah, accidents happen. So this is why our policy is like, no, 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 this is not what the solution that we need. There's so many problems with it. Okay. I think there's something really interesting that you're saying there about the political process is you it's like finally get over the finish line with these two good things yeah and then there's the poison of the third thing and this is in a nutshell the political process which is at some it's like two steps forward one step back but you got the two steps Right. Like you claim the victories where you right. can. Right. I can see why this wears people down and can make people a little crazy is right. Even in the moments of like, ah, oh, finally, there's stuff attached to it in the midst of it. Yeah. Yeah. And it was really, it, it was a really rough couple of weeks, I got to tell you. A lot of us in, who've been doing this work for a really long time, we got hammered by people, the very progressives on the far left who were like, how can you support this? How can you support a bill that would put guns in schools? It's not going far enough. You're not getting all the things we want. But right. this is this is compromise. This is this is it's difficult. It's not so easy. And if we all just stay in our corners of I want right. guns everywhere, I don't want any guns anywhere, you know, we'll be we're yeah. paralyzed and nothing happens right, right, and nothing right. changes. So we're saying, okay, we can't get from all the way over here to all the way over here. We've got to take these incremental steps. Right, right. And right, it's a right. marathon, not a sprint. And if you wait for the other side to magically give you everything you want, then nothing will ever... Nothing will ever happen. ...happen. Right. And that's not acceptable. Which is interesting, the fundamentalists on either side. Yeah, they really are. The fundamentalist is the one who can't make peace with that. That's right. At some level. And it gets it gets personal, you know, so some of these attacks... And, and social media creates this weird space whereby people can say really horrible things to you that... You have to recognize, okay, this really, this isn't about me. 
even though at first when you, when you're working so hard and you're fighting so hard and then you get this horrible email from someone who says, you're a sellout. You're so horrible. How could you have done this? You're just like, wait, well, where were you? Like, this is how it works. Like we're fighting every single day and every single week. And this is how progress happens. But then you have to take a step back and be And then you're like, wait, we already know the NRA is against us. Now the yeah. other side is firing. Yeah. Yeah. So you really have to just kind of take a step back and take a deep breath and say, okay, this is, this is not about me. This is not a personal thing. This is just frustration. This is... Um, okay. Take it. Did do you have a history of jumping into things where you got criticized heavily? Um, no. I would say well, not. Was this new for you? Yeah. This is new territory. Yeah. But you seem to understand some of the th the ways to deal with this sort of thing that, in my observation, takes people years and years and years to figure out. Yeah. I think it, it's partly from having a very um, strong practice, a spiritual practice of my of, in my own life oh, that can help me, yeah. ground me, and help me understand when things aren't about me. Because mm -hmm. it's definitely like my first reaction is to be very defensive, yeah, and to yeah, and yeah, then yeah. to you know go to this like, oh no, are they right? Are they oh, is what they're saying about me right? Yeah, I am way off. Base, am I a right? sellout? Like, what am I doing? Yeah. And then, um, just having that, you know, having great friendships, having a great spouse, having yeah. um, time with God, time alone to just sort of see things for what they are is really really critical like for to me. Just observe it. Yeah, yeah. Non-judgmentally and just let it be what it is yeah. and realize that's not me. That's I love what Liz Gilbert says all the time, and I say it to myself too. Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Isn't that interesting that I got this really horrible <laughs> comment on my Facebook page or this nasty email or you know this whole thing blew up and kind of hit me in the face from left field? Isn't that interesting? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay. In an email that you sent me, you I have a list of things you mentioned. Oh, okay. I made it. Um, I wrote out here. You mentioned unsecure firearms, mental illness, video games, parenting, toxic masculinity, greed of gun manufacturers, polarization by outside forces and mass media, and info whiplash, which leaves us simultaneously exhausted and overadrenalized. Yeah. This was in a paragraph that you sent me. Wow. In an email. <laughs> I must I have had a lot of coffee or something. <laughs> So I love, how, but you you prefaced it by talking about how complicated, yeah, this is, yeah, and that's yeah. I keep, yes, it's guns, and I'm so thrilled that more and more people are furious and outraged and passionate about. Wait, we should not have mass shootings. So yes, guns, but wait, 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 wait. There's a deep, way deeper stream here. Oh yeah, of something about the American story yeah. as it's unfolding. Right. Um, so let me just pick uh, toxic masculinity. Let's just pick one off the list. Pick one, yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting, um, you know, I, I'm hearing this, I'm reading articles about it, I'm sort of seeing it. And um, I, I think underneath that is this, this, this deep fear and this sense of being not enough or maybe uh, this economic impotence for people who maybe have lost a way of life or have lost a connection to being a hero or it. being able to protect strong, being strong, being strong, being able to protect things. But it's really not even a defensive. Some of this culture is really like an, an offensive, like I'm going to show you. And, and there's this weird misogynistic thread that runs through it too where you know Which women you bumped up against a lot women receive like you just can't even believe some of the hateful hateful language that comes to women who dare to speak about anything um and, and so yeah i see that and i i wonder like what is that like where is that coming from why so angry so at some level in your work with mothers demand action what you've bumped up against is just basic you're a woman with a voice and that's a problem for some especially if you god forbid you talk about a gun let alone right even before talking about guns just an empowered woman who is speaking up and entering into the game yes how dare issue, you let alone talking about guns right right and that's that's a thread we get a lot of like you stupid you know yes fill in the nasty word here you you don't even know the difference between an assault rifle and a semi-automatic and a this that and the other and i'm like yeah okay yeah you're right i i really 
I could take a class on that and <laughs> learn the nuances between these types of guns, but that doesn't mean I don't have a, a right to say, we got a problem, let's talk about it. Do we really need these weapons in our society as civilians? What is the counter to, this is unprecedented in the modern world to have this many shootings in a country, in a modern first world country. What is the push, what is the count um what is the counter to that? Like well, it's just what comes with being America or what is Well, the- I, I I would argue that that's not really an acceptable. That's just an acceptance of saying like, yes. well, this is just the price of freedom. Right, right, right. And and what is the thi- I don't understand the thinking behind that. I don't either. <laughs> I don't either. I wish I did. Um because uh, what happens after each shooting is there's a there's a round where then the NRA steps up and then people step we need to have better we need to have take steps with legislation etc then the NRA counters with no because of second amendment but there's never any ideas about it quickly leaves why this even keeps happening do you know what i mean and yeah. and there never seems to be from the gun lobby like ideas or imagination about how we could not have this happen all the time. It seems to be a fundamental lack of creativity and imagination. Yeah. That that this is unacceptable and we don't have to accept this. It just seems a given. So to me there's always like, wait, 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 wait. Are you <laughs> where is the outrage that this happened? Yeah. Well I think, you know, in the in the news cycle it just kind of cycles out. And then there's some other, you know, fresh new whatever that we're that we're talking about and dealing with. And there's this paralysis because we don't really see any leaders. There's been no real traction to say, well, these are the steps we can take. And w- we do get to have a say about this. Yeah. We can have a Second Amendment. We do. We can accept that. But we can also put some limitations like sure. you can't you can't drive drunk anymore. Like that's just not okay. And so right. You're taking away my right to drive. No. No. <laughs> you can get a driver's license. Right, correct. Unless. Right. Yeah, There's right. consequences. And so, um, yeah. And I would also point out that the NRA, it's not really the organization that it was 30 years ago, yes. you know, where it was really more a, 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 an organization to talk about gun safety or hunting and fishing or right. a way of life. Right, right. It's really become an organization that is, in my opinion is in the business of selling more guns and and it's and it's, even from all the work that you've done up close that's what you've seen yeah i don't really see the a lot of people i see the lobbyists and the gun manufacturers who have all the money i mean i don't i i think that's where they get a lot of their money is from the manufacturers of these guns that would like to make a profit and they were very profitable when um, President Obama was in office because there was this boogeyman out there, this fear of he's going to take all your guns. You better get out there and buy them, buy them, buy them. So there's this kind of well-documented Trump slump that's happened where they got their guy. They've got their, they got all the things they want. So sales are plummeting. And so... No way. The Trump, they call it the Trump slump. Yeah, yeah. And there's so... If you... Check out NRA TV and check out some of the videos and the and the propaganda that they're putting out. They are really in the business, I believe, of manufacturing fear. Because if you look at statistically, from what I understand, less people are actually buying guns and owning guns. A, a smaller portion of the population, yes. but that's that yes. portion is buying more. Yes. It's, it's a second, third, fourth, fifth, and twelfth gun. Yes, they're stockpiling weapons. Yeah, and there's this, you know, there was a, a, a great article that I just read this morning, um, the Scientific American, and it was talking about, I think it was 3% of the population owns more than 50% yes. of the weapons. Yes. And so, it, and that's an interesting subset of people, and they're largely white males who are, you know, feeling like that they started buying guns for protection for their family. Um, but I think there's lots of other things happening in that group, too. Right, right, right. I did not. So with President Obama, there was a an easy foil to say the government is coming for your guns, mm-hmm. which made people buy guns, which brought up profits. But then with President Trump, 
you oh we're we're okay so there's a loosening mm-hmm. of the urgency a well, lessening of the urgency yeah. which then means sales drop yeah and there's probably just a market saturation at some point and guns aren't these 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 weapons are not inexpensive yeah um so at some point how many guns does a person need? And if you have fewer people buying guns, then eventually that market's just shrinking. And so there's a lot of, there's an attempt to, um, which is interesting, There, there's an attempt by the NRA to encourage women to buy guns. And there's this, um, this thread of, well, you know, women get raped and women are, women are in danger. So buy yourself a gun and that will make you safer when in reality it will probably you'll be a lot less safe as a woman if you're carrying a gun and you're attacked by a man. You'll probably be overpowered and the gun will be used on you. So. It's, all, it's like a, it's a, at some point it becomes marketing and yeah. opening up new markets. Yeah. And if more guns made us safer, we would be the safest country on earth. But you are 25 times more likely to be murdered in this country than in any other developed nation. So that's a staggering fact. Yeah, you should probably put that on one of your T-shirts. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty strong. Yeah, yeah. That's there's lots strong. of great graphics and and talking points about that, and um, it, it it is staggering. And then Parkland happened yeah. in your state. Yeah. Where were you when you heard? Oh gosh, it was Valentine's Day. Remember? I think everybody forgot that it was Valentine's I did. Day. Yeah. yeah, it was Valentine's Day. It was also Ash Wednesday. Um, so I work in a church. And um, it's a busy church day in the Episcopal Church. Lots of people coming for the imposition of ashes. And um, the reports were coming out in the afternoon. And at first, I did not realize the extent of it. Mm-hmm. It was just, you know, a school shooting, details unfolding. Mm-hmm. By the time I got home, by about 5 o'clock, and I had pl- we had a big event planned for the next day, for our organization where we were delivering 5,000 petitions to the president of the Senate asking for a committee hearing on a bill that would um, strengthen the background check law. So there's this national background check system. And currently, if somebody fails a background check in Florida, that information just doesn't go anywhere. Nothing happens. They just fail. And that's that. We would like there to be a law that says, okay, well, if somebody fails, Let's go ahead and communicate that information to local law enforcement so they maybe could follow up if just have it on the radar. If somebody has a restraining order, somebody's a dangerous person and they're trying and failing to get a background check, that's probably good information we should know. Couldn't even get a hearing. So we were deli- we had planned to deliver these petitions to the president on the 15th of February. That was already in the works. And then and then the Parkland shooting happened. And um I went home that night and I don't typically watch the news at all. I don't participate in the 24-hour news cycle. I, I really can't stand it. I read the news. I listen to NPR. I'm informed, but I don't find it helpful to kind of get sucked into these vortexes of, you know, news, news, news. But the news was on that night, and it was worse than you can imagine, mm-hmm. seeing some of the footage of, you know, these students and seeing these families. And um, so we continued on with our we kind of changed our event for the next day, and, and I invited my friend Trinity, who's the pastor at the church that I attend, to come and offer some prayer. What do you say, you know? What do you say to people who are grieving and heartbroken? I, I, I just, I hardly slept that night, and I woke up the next day, and then I put on my We Are the Committee shirt <laughs> <laughs> that my husband gave me for Christmas, my custom T-shirt, because I really just, I woke with this clarity of a message to tell people, hey, we are the government. The government is us. If this is no longer working, and it's not, then it's up to us to fix it. And that was the message that I sent to the, said to them, and we offered prayers. And then we took our prayers to our feet, and we marched our little selves into this office and just delivered these petitions stack at a time until they piled up on a desk. What was that like? It was incredible. It was... Um, it was empowering, but it was heartbreaking. It was all the feelings, as you can imagine. You know? Everything at once. Yeah, everything at once. But it was a lot of heartbreak. It was just a lot of, you know, and when these shootings happen in, in our organization, a lot of the leaders, we kind of like, we go into work mode, right? Because it's, people come, in, people come to us, people look to us 
for something to say and something to do. And so we know for a period of a week or so, we're going to be inundated with phone calls and emails and texts and what are we going to do? So a lot of us start working and then it's maybe two or three days later that we talk, feel it. we talk about it and we'll be like, oh yeah, I was crying in my closet. It finally happened. My tears came. Yeah. And so, and, and personally, I feel, I feel it cut deeper every time. Every time. You're not becoming more numb to it. No. You're feeling it more deeply. I'm feeling it more deeply. Well, why? Because I believe that we are all connected. And when one part of the body suffers, the other part suffers. That's just how I yeah. operate. Yeah. And so I see grieving families and people have lost their children and their siblings and their parents. And how could I not feel that? Yeah. Yeah. I remember you telling me about how the media were treating the surviving high school students of the Parkland shooting and what you saw up close about how that works. Yeah. Yeah. So, so after the shooting happened, it, because it was the middle of our session in Florida, you know, lawmakers are meeting and stuff is happening, people got on buses and people started coming. Thousands of people came to Tallahassee. And so there was this immediate like, oh, we just went into overdrive. You know, the, our community is incredible. Our little town is so incredible. People were dropping off food and water and snacks and offering dinners and places to stay. And um, it was a big logistical, you know, situation to manage. And, and our organization stepped in to just sort of be a, a support for these kids and these, and these people who were you know, kind of running on adrenaline themselves. I don't think they were feeling it just yet. Oh, right. Because these kids have just yeah. survived yeah. a horrific tragedy. They then have microphones put in front of yeah. them. Then they get in cars and drive seven hours to the state yeah. capitol yeah. because legislature's in session to yeah. bring change. Yeah. And they've become activists overnight. Overnight. Burying their friends going to prayer vigils, getting on buses, coming to a new town, being overwhelmed with, you know, the system. Yes. Um, so a lot of us there, we felt very protective of these kids. You know, we were trying to kind of shield them, but also being very respectful of like, this is, th this is their voice. You know, it's a tough, it was a tough spot as a parent. You know, sometimes what teenagers think they want maybe isn't what's best for them in the moment. The, right. And at the same time, the fuel and the power and the new thing is yeah. happening is because yes. Yes. they're literally taking microphones on stage and confronting Marco Rubio. Yes. And this doesn't often happen. Yes. So you're like, how do you let that happen and unfold, but also try to protect them? Because we all know that the moment you have a microphone in public, there's a whole other thing that can happen as well. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. So that's, it's this tension of like, mm -hmm. you know, you want them to fly, but you want to be running underneath them. Yeah, yeah. Because of all of these dangers. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. So I have so much love and respect and admiration for these kids. And I was able to speak to them. And the one thing I said to them was, people are, you are so inspiring, your courage and your bravery, but I want you to know that it's okay if you're not, if you feel like you are losing your, Shit. Yeah. Then yeah. Yeah. Come find us. That's why we're here. You don't have to be this strong and brave all the time. You can just go home right now if you want. Yeah. Right, you. Right. Yeah. Whatever you. Whatever you feel and whatever you need is right. And that's what we're here to help you with. So. Yeah. And I'm following these kids now. On you know, I'm just in awe of them. I'm in awe. And with the walkout that happened, what what was that? Two days ago. Mm -hmm. Sitting at my desk, checking in, eating my lunch, looking at Twitter, just tears running down my face just seeing these kids all across the country fighting for their very lives yeah 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 and who are just going this is insane and all of you adults yeah have been unable to stop the insanity yeah yeah and so yeah, that's a yeah. lot on us you know as, a, as an adult the adults in the room i'm kind of like damn yeah. that's on us yeah 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 we allowed this to happen yeah it's fascinating um my my son trace and i keep talking about how what if at the next round of presidential debates from the very beginning, everybody who's speaking superimposed on the screen, like the bottom left-hand corner, is a list of everybody they receive money from? So that anytime a politician's talking in public now, 
there has to be there's like a little thing in the side yeah. like a video yeah. game there's yeah. like a little sponsored thing sponsored by yeah exactly <laughs> just so every every answer everything they say you can just be like oh okay got it that helps yeah. me understand no, yeah no judgment just just transparency that's all we're asking for we'll judge later but right now yeah like you think about things that will i think will become basic in the future like, yeah of course you should know who they receive money from in a representative democracy ideally obviously nobody but uh, you know what I mean? Like things yeah. that, that are have just been normal. Right. Like there's a debate and all of these people on the stage are receiving money, but nobody is talking about it. And yet they're then arguing why they would best represent us. Yeah. That's that's ridiculous. Well, you need we need more participation in yes. democracy, right? And so that's yeah. when I whenever I'm asked to speak to people, this is always the you know, the question in your mind, like, what am I supposed to say? Right, right. What and do what they do you need say? to hear? And well, it just depends. It depends. Oh, okay, got it. I feel like it depends on the group. It depends on the energy sometimes. I'll read it when I get there. Yes. Like, are these angry people? Are they yeah. looking for hope? Are they looking to, you know? And that's all new right. for me because I was terrified to speak in public. Terrified. Would never do it. Would do anything to avoid it. And, here, and now you're and a public here, spokesman for <laughs> one of the most yeah, yeah. volatile yeah. subjects yeah. in our country right now. How did that happen? Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's your memoir. How did that happen? <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember in the beginning of, of this, I, you know, I, I am a person of faith. I have a prayer life. Yes. And I remember just saying, all right. Feeling very much like it was a call. And I have had dreams where there are knocks on my door. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. So you had a deep, deep, uh, like a, like a spiritual guidance yes. experience. Yeah. Like and I is... don't tell that to everybody, but I'm telling it to all <laughs> the Robcast nation. <laughs> all right. Because in some settings, if you're like, you know what? I have a sense of calling about this. They're like, and we're going to go to commercial. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. You're yeah, crazy. Yeah. So, but. It's very real and powerful to me, and I feel it very strongly. And so I had to work on a trust, an internal trust to the call. Like, if you're going to call me to do this, then you're going to need to help me. And it was almost like I offered up this sort of like, okay, equip me with what I need. Give me what I need. Give me what I need and give me the power. And I find that it comes. It comes. And so every experience I have where I feel the presence I feel the courage, I feel the support, and I have more trust. So I'm able to keep going. Wow. Yeah. You know, it's, it, uh, that, the, the, I think the Jesus path, and people talk about, you know, if Jesus came back, you know, or like, <laughs> and the people are like, you know, the end of the world, or if he returns, or all that stuff. I'm always like, Okay, if your Jesus did come back, the first thing he'd be like is like, wait, 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 I came to end violence. Yeah. Like, what What about that? Like, yeah. no retaliation. Like, the cross. Did Were you not fuzzy on that? There's crosses everywhere. Were you not fuzzy on my central message, which was nonviolence? Yeah. Like, how did you, are you literally arguing for more guns with a cross in the background? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I actually think it's one of the first things Jesus would be like, seriously? There's this yeah. one line in the Gospels where he says to his disciples, are you so dull? That's one, of the, <laughs> that's one of the English translations of what he says to them. Are you so dull? Yeah. But I picture him just like, like are, you, are you, how dull are you people? Like this story was about the end of violence and the end of the myth of redemptive violence. The idea yeah. that another act of violence could somehow make it better. Right. That was one of um, my favorite podcast that you did that really just spoke to me on a really deep level. And I feel that that's my call is to bring about the peace of God's kingdom here now. It's not about the future. It's about now. I'm so interested that you are, you have hope and, and energy having been on the front lines of some of this. Yeah. Well, not every day. Yeah, yeah, there yeah, yeah. Are, yeah. So part yeah. of it is taking care of yourself so that you do have yeah, some energy to do this. That is critical, critical, critical. I just recently went to uh, Father Menninger came to my church. You know who he is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, um, contemplative 
prayer oh, and wow. like the Thomas Keating Father Manager. Yeah. Okay. He has the monastery up in Colorado. He's about eighty five. He's this hilarious, wonderful, I don't know, monk leader person. Mm-hmm. And so I went I was in really yeah, this last month has been really just an incredible experience. Um, really something else altogether. Yeah. And I was so busy and my world was so crazy and I thought, well, gosh, Monday night, I just really need to go home and just lay down and watch Netflix. And I thought, no, 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 I'm going to make myself go. And it was such an amazing experience. And he talked about four things. He talked about having a practice of gratitude, which I do. I have a gratitude. um, I have a little devotional time in the morning and then I write down all the things I'm grateful for. And it's, it's a wonderful practice. I've been doing it for a while. And then he talked about humility and knowing yourself. And he talked, he did this whole thing about the Enneagram, which I'm super into all that. And so that was really cool. Like really knowing yourself and understanding how you react to things. Mm -hmm. And then he talked about forgiveness and the prayer of forgiveness and how you start, you know, with yourself and your immediate crew, and then you send it out and out into the levels. Um, And then just having the contemplative time of prayer of just like a meditative, peaceful practice. So having those things helps with the hope on the days where I feel like I'm in the ditch and I'm never gonna, we're never going to make progress. This is never going to get fixed. But I don't think that's really true. I'm, I mean, I'm just seeing in just the year and a half that I've been doing this, I'm seeing huge shifts, huge movement. It's a really interesting time to be alive. Oh, fantastic. Okay, so t- how do people get know more about your organization? So the best thing they can do is text the word READY to the number 64433. And that gets people into ready, our... READY, 64433. READY, 64433. And I promise you that Moms Demand Action is... We're everywhere. We're in every, we, we will find you. <laughs> so um, it's, a lot, it's meetings. It's a lot of advocacy work. And advocacy work is slow it's a slow process and you mm-hmm. have to have patience and you have to understand that this is, you know, this is the long view to take, but that you ca- it doesn't happen if you're just on the sidelines, wringing your hands about it. You kind of have to get in the arena and be a part of it. Man. Oh man. I love uh, to wrap it up here. I love what you said about a mother's love. Mm-hmm. So mother's love is stronger. Oh, for sure. I mean, isn't that how humans first learn about God and, and is through the love of their mother? Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's fantastic. Mom's rising up. I love it. Mothers demand action. Kate, Kyle, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, in the back house. Thank you. You're so inspiring. Um, and I feel like I got a crash course in a number of these things. Thanks. So anything else people should know about how to connect or resources or any of that? Yeah, well, I, I would say, yeah, pay attention. Um, there are marches that are happening all across the country next Saturday, March 24th. Uh, there's, it's, a, it's called March for Our Lives. It's being led by students, and it's sort of modeled after the, the marches, the women's marches that happened after the um, inauguration. And so there's a big, giant march in D.C., and I think there are now over 700 marches happening in cities all across the country. So go to the March for Our Lives org website to find out near you. Um, you can put in your zip code and you'll find out what the closest one is. These are um, marches being led by students, but our organization, we're kind of working in a support role. You know, we're just the moms that are helping with the snacks yeah. and <laughs> yeah, yeah. the permits and the logistics, some of the stuff that maybe teenagers aren't so hip to, to knowing how to do, but we're yeah. helping them. But it's really them. We, we are, we're kind of following the students right now, which is, Super exciting. Oh, so great. That's just so great. Thank you so much for coming by. Thanks for having me. It's wonderful. Grace and peace, everyone.